0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. In the meantime, I'm joined by Pascal Donoghue, the Finnegal TD, and the Minister for Public Expenditure. And Minister, you're very, very welcome uh, to the show. So, what does the um, stability programme update tell us about uh, budget surpluses?
1: Uh, so, uh, what it shows is that we have an economy. Despite the many challenges that we are facing due to the war in Ukraine, despite the fact that the global economy continues to change, we have an economy that here in our country is performing well. And due to the decisions that we made during COVID about how we managed the spending of the country's money and the many decisions that we've made regarding our public finances in the past and the continued increases in corporate tax, it points to that for this year, we will have a surplus of around €10 billion euro with a further increase in that surplus for next year.
0: Do we know what the increase is likely to be next year?
1: Yes, we expect that figure uh, at the moment to be around um, anywhere between 14 up to €16 billion, euro, with so much of that uh, being driven by an increase in corporate tax receipts that continues to go up year by year.
0: So what are we going to do with that money?
1: Well, uh, this is uh, the decision that we will be making as part of preparation for Budget 2024. Um, What I'm keenly aware, uh, Kieran, is the difficulty that there is there in explaining why we should run a budget surplus and why we should not spend every single cent that we collect. And I understand, given all the pressures that you cover off in your country, and no doubt on your programme, and no doubt you'll raise with me, I know this, this is a difficult argument to make, but the point I would make to your uh, listeners this afternoon is one of the reasons why we have seen this change in our public finances is we have seen the amount that we collect in corporate tax nearly double since 2019, in fact, more than double since 2019. It's gone up so quickly. It could go down very, very quickly as well. Mm. And what we have learned in dealing with shocks like a pandemic and a war is we never know what is around the corner. And we just need to be careful that money we're collecting today, we don't spend money that we might collect today, but that might not be available tomorrow. And that's the work that Minister McGrath and I will be doing with government in the time ahead.
0: And and I, I think most people, not everybody, but I think most people would agree with the principle of setting some of that money aside. I mean, if someone were to win the lottery tomorrow, they wouldn't splurge it all in a week. They'd know they're never going to win it again, but they'd splurge a little bit of it. So is the there an argument a, that, and maybe sure. splurge is the wrong uh, uh, word to use because it, it, it implies kind of wasting some of the money, but housing experts, for example, you know, they say that we're industry experts, say we're about a quarter of a million short in terms of the overall stock in this country uh, compared to what we should be. Is there an argument that some of the money is used to bridge that gap
1: on so if top of the housing for all if, if I could just develop your analogy a little bit more. It's not so much that we win the, win the loss at once. Uh, what we have seen happen now is that, for want of a better phrase, we have won that loss now year by year by year, with how our corporate tax receipts have gone up. Now that hasn't happened by chance. It's happened due to how we've managed tax policy and how we've engaged with really big companies. And that both demonstrates the risk and the benefit that is there. The benefit in allowing us to help with deal with things like COVID the effect on on our country due to the war, inflation that has gone up and up. The risk is what happens if those taxes would go down as quickly as they have gone up. But to deal with your further point then regarding should we spend some of us, as I said, this is the work that Minister McGrath and I, the Minister for Finance, will be doing in the coming weeks. Now, each year that goes by, we spend more and more and more. Um, In 2019, we were spending around 65, 67 billion euro um, of our country's money. It is now 91 billion euro. So in a number of years, we've seen a really big increase in the amount of money Mm. that we are spending. We will continue to spend more. But what we just want to do is make sure that we don't repeat the kind of mistakes, which as a country, I think we swore we would never do again in the last big economic crisis, which is namely to spend money permanently that we find out we're not collecting permanently.
0: When you talk about possible storms on the horizon, and you give the example of previous storms like COVID, Brexit, the war in Ukraine, the pensions and funding pensions in the future, to what extent do we need this money to future-proof against that problem?
1: So this is indeed something that we'll have to consider. And Minister McGrath uh, will be developing options and recommendations in relation to this and in relation to how a surplus like this could be used. Um, I think there's a really good case to be made regarding how we can use this money in such a way that could have a really big and positive effect on our lives in the years ahead that is different to spending it all immediately. Mm. And Minister McGrath is looking at a number of options in relation to that. And, of course, one of these that, you know, we could consider is what role this might help in pension provision within our country and funding the pension commitments that we have. The only, and it's a big watch out in relation to all of this, is what tends to happen when corporate tax receipts go down is this because there's a big change in our economy, which can also swing the fund that we use to pay for our pensions into a really big deficit as well, as has happened in the recent past. But this is the kind of go- issue the government will look at in the months ahead. Uh, w-
0: would we have more money to spend on the problems that your government face today if we raise the pension age?
1: So We, would we wouldn't have... need as much
0: of this to future-proof.
1: So if we were to raise uh, the uh, pension age in the future without making changes elsewhere, That over time would lead to a reduction on other things that we want to do. But the current government decision on that matter is that we will gradually increase employers PRSI to ensure that even as we uh, protect the pension age that we have at the moment, that we pay for that in a different way to what we're doing at the moment. Mm. So it doesn't reduce our ability to help with other things in the future. In particular, you, you'd, tax prefer,
0: you'd prefer increase the pension age, though, I'd wager?
1: Um, well, actually, the key thing for me is that we have enough money to pay for our public pensions in the future, that we have enough money to ensure that those who are middle-aged now, that when they need the state pension in a, in a number of years' time, that we have the ability to pay for us. And um, as long as we're in a position to do that, that's the key mm. thing for me. It was impossible, for reasons I well understand, win the argument regarding the pension age going up, but instead what we're going to do that is in a very different way through changes in employers' PRSI. The key thing for me is that we have the money to look after our elderly of tomorrow and those who are old today with the pensions they currently have.
0: What's, is there, or is there anything to stop uh, future Ministers of Finance from whatever party looting this fund? Uh,
1: This is a decision that Uh, Of course, any minister for finance of the future could decide to reverse or take a different approach. Um, It is open to the country, of course, uh, through our elections to determine everything, including how this money is spent. Should, should,
0: should, we, should, we, well, should we restrict access to it? And what I mean by that, that sounds kind of bizarre, maybe, on the face no, no. of it. But, you know, in, in, in Norway, they've got this huge sovereign wealth fund because they're a petrol state, which they don't like to remind people of, but they are, and they've all this money into it. But there's very, very strict rules on how much of that money every year can be siphoned off for current or capital spending. Should we have okay, something I... similar here, given we're talking about like literally tens of billions of euro?
1: The bigger constraint on the spending of that money in Norway is the political culture regarding the use of windfall gains rather than the law. Um, they could decide to change the law in Norway um, on any given day in their own parliament, but they decide not to do that because they are aware of the risks that I'm highlighting. So that leads me on to the answer to your, to your question. Do I believe we should have some constraints regarding the access to money that we want to save for tomorrow? I do. And we already have that in the National Reserve Fund that has €6 billion within us. But fundamentally, the bigger decision is around our culture regarding the use of that money rather than the law, because a government of the day can decide to change that law. And uh, I believe that winning the argument regarding running surpluses of a certain level year by year is the key thing, which in turn will influence the laws that we have in place.
0: Do you fear that not all members, uh, not all political parties subscribe to that culture? Uh,
1: They don't. And there are many who are already arguing today. in the. Do you you think Piers Doherty will
0: loot that fund is the question I'm going to
1: ask? Uh, I do believe uh, that a government that is led by Sinn Féin um, would spend uh, money that we've already set aside and would spend this high level of corporate tax increase. Uh, and I believe by doing that, uh, they will create a very, very large risk regarding how we are investing in our country's future. And I've been around once in politics when this happened before, Kieran, and I saw the harm it caused in our country, our society, and our economy. And I'm making the case again that whatever about making new mistakes, we should avoid making the same mistakes that
0: we've already made. Uh, Can I ask then, uh, before I let you go, Minister, about our Euro 2028, our joint bid with, uh, or rather our, the FAI's joint bid uh, with Football Federations in the North, England, Scotland and Wales. And I understand uh, you have some questions and concerns about the maths and whether it stacks up. So the argument that we've heard, we've heard it on this show, a 93 million euro outlay for the government, there or thereabouts. But don't worry because the state will benefit to the tune of 189 million euro.
1: So, firstly, I support the bid going ahead. Um, If I hadn't, I wouldn't have agreed to it at Cabinet. Uh, Secondly, I'm a a huge soccer and football fan. Um, I I support my local football team, Bose. I'm a big supporter of Tottenham Hotspur and the Premiership. I followed football and soccer fortunes closely uh, throughout the week and at the weekend. And it's a, a, a huge love that I have. But in addition to my love for that sport, I do have a job to do. and The job that I have to do is to ask questions regarding the use of public money. And the core question that I asked here is how can we be certain that anybody who's coming to our country, who coming to watch uh, these great football mm-hmm. games that I hope do happen here, won't be displacing people who would already be looking to travel the country, to, to Ireland, given the fixed number of hotel rooms that we have. And that was the question that I asked. And the answer that the Department of Sport provided back, which is one that I do accept, is between now and then, we have to look at how we would market a tournament such as this to see how we can bring visitors to our country that would be genuinely new. And secondly, what could we do across the time of such a big sporting event happening in Ireland that we've really increased our accommodation to ensure that those who come to see the Games are increasing the total yeah, number of... Minister,
0: so you, well. must have, you must have felt a little like me when I interview politicians, because that sounds like an answer to a question, but not the answer to the question that you asked, which is, if we have a limited number of hotel rooms and these people were... And they were going to be filled by people anyway, how can we claim that we're going to benefit to the tune of £189 million when you're when you're including people who are in those hotel rooms?
1: Uh, which goes back then, and... Uh to the question I put to the Department of Sport and the answer they gave me, which I did accept. I was Minister for Sport when we made the decision to bid for the Rugby World Cup, and I'm well familiar with and understand the kind of issues that are there. But I do believe between now and us, I hope, winning the bid, there is time to deal with the important questions that I've raised, and I believe we're able to do it. And I also believe there are other benefits for sport and for our country's reputation in brilliantly implementing a tournament like this uh, were we to be successful in okay. uh, winning our share of it? So I asked important questions. It's my job to do us, but it doesn't mean uh, that we're not able to rise to the occasion, win a bid like this, and do it in such a way that would allay the economic concerns that I raised.
0: Minister for Public Expenditure, Pascal Donohue. Minister, thanks, immediately for joining us here in the show. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddihy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk.